Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, I want to tell you about a scam that has been around for decades that suddenly has gotten a lot more prominent because of social media. I'm going to tell you what you need to know to protect your wallet, and in this case, your feelings also. And coming up yet later, how safe is it to drink tap water? Well, there's a brand new special investigation I want to share with you on tap water so you know whether you should be reaching for bottled water or actually tap would be A-OK. I'll fill you in. I want to talk right now about something as we are a week out from Christmas. A lot of people have put themselves into a financial bind. And it doesn't matter how much I talk about in the early fall about planning for spending through the Christmas shopping season. Our emotions get the best of us when we're out and about. And we spend money that, well, on reflection, we kind of wish we hadn't done. Or we actually do wish we hadn't done. So I want to talk about something that based on a lot of reading that I've done, I want to say I was wrong about something. I felt that people who use budgeting apps tended to be people who were really, really great with money and just wanted to pat themselves on the back or were the personality type that wanted to track every last penny where every cent they had went and that those are the people who adore Mint, M-I-N-T, the app. But it turns out, based on extensive research done at the university level, that if you are someone who feels out of control with spending, or you know you've been out of control with spending, whether it's just for the Christmas shopping season and you got to get the finances back right again, or you know over time you feel like you're kind of having your wallet careen out of control, there is a clear benefit to you actually being careful with your money by budgeting with an app. So this is a study that was done just across the border by professors in British Columbia, and the trends that they found absolutely would be true for us. So number one, people who use apps to track all their spending immediately start spending a lot less money on eating and drinking. The amount it drops is just under 20%. But even moving forward after that initial discipline, the spending still is 15% lower moving forward using a spending app that tracks your spending than it was before when you weren't paying much attention. 
And in category after category, there were specific benefits to you tracking where your money's going. And a lot of people, and this is something I've dealt with over the years, particularly in my television work when I've counseled couples that their marriages were in trouble because of fighting about money, that repeatedly I would get resistance that when I would start talking about budgeting, that it would be looked at as that I was trying to restrict their freedom. But the truth is, if I can have a breakthrough with a couple, they realize that not owing everybody on earth money and not having all the anxiety that goes with that is actually freeing, not restricting. So I correct myself here, and I'll tell you that there actually is an advantage to you if you're somebody who has felt like you just can't get it together with money to start tracking what's going on with what you do and what you spend and maybe give Mint a try or if you found something else like it that you like and know where every penny goes and before you know it, you may be spending less money. Now, if that doesn't work, you got to go full radical here. And do you know what that is in Clark Howard School of Money? You go all cash. All cash. And I'm not talking debit card. I mean cash. Because I have found that with the severest of financial problems that I've dealt with with individuals or couples, that if they go to straight cash and only take out so much that they agree to each pay period or each week or once a month or twice a month, that if you live within the means of the cash that you have agreed you're going to live on, that spending drops dramatically because it's a finite amount of money that's in your hand, in your wallet, in your purse, whatever. And as that dwindles and you're maybe several days away from when you can get your next supply of cash, somehow you manage to get by on what you've got. It works. Promise. Nick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Nick. Hey, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Nick. So you're going to get married next year. Congratulations to you. Thank you very much. We're excited about it. Yeah, we're in the process of getting everything planned. So figured you could help us out with a couple things. Well, let's see if I can be of help. All right. Well, let's see what you got for me. Um, What's the scoop? What do you need? So as of right now, we are looking at the big purchase of how much alcohol and liquor and everything that we will need for our reception. And our biggest issue, I guess, is we don't want to break the bank, obviously, because we're going to be a newly married couple. But so we're trying to see if there's a way or if there's anywhere that we can find maybe like a distributor or a wholesaler that is either going out of business or somebody that typically offers great deals on this type of stuff. Um, All right, we got a lot of talking to do. You ready? I know. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. Number one, couples today, one of the ways they reduce the costs of a wedding reception is they serve no hard liquor. Okay. And it helps you from a liability standpoint. 
you know, somebody with hard liquor, somebody's more likely to drink to excess at a wedding reception than they might well be with beer or wine. Although they could drink to excess with beer or wine, but right. especially with hard liquor, you've got people that will tend to drink to excess at a wedding reception. And so you've got much higher costs involved. Okay. And you've got the potential for more risk with somebody who does, in fact, imbibe too much. And doing beer and wine, I think, is perfectly acceptable. Okay. And that will reduce expenses a whole lot. With wine, limit the choices. Have a red and have a white. And okay. If, and with reds and whites, you can, instead of trying to look for a place that's in financial distress or whatever, what you do is you, as part of the fun leading up to your wedding, do some tastings. And, like, as an example, do you have Costco near you? I do. Now, Costco sells reds and whites in bulk. Like, a, um, they'll go to a winery, will come to them, or they'll go to a winery that's overstocked, and they'll sell cases of wine at big discounts. Okay. And I was in my Costco the other day, and it's funny because I don't drink wine, but I, but I go <laughs> and I look through the whole store and I see what's going on. That's called walking the steel. Anyway, I walk around and see. And they had a number of reds and whites they were selling bulk in cases that they were offering big discounts on. Oh, wow. Okay. But you got to try one. I mean, then you buy a whole case. <laughs> try it. <laughs> see if you like it. And then you can reduce your cost per pour down so much. With, okay. With beer, ignore the beer snobs. Don't go and buy some kind of craft beer, no matter how much there's buzz about that particular local brewery or microbrewery or whatever. Uh-huh. Buy, you know, buy a, a, you know, a standard kind of beer and hold that cost down. You know, really, when you start looking at alcoholic beverages for a reception, usually the couple is the one that's their own worst enemy. Because they feel like, hey, we don't want to look bad with our friends that we serve, right. <laughs> whatever. Forget that. They're, they better be coming because they're excited to see you get married. <laughs> and not because you didn't have the coolest craft beer for them to drink. This is true. I'll have to tell all my beer snob friends that they'll have to get over it. <laughs> exactly. And they later, they can go, if they want to celebrate later, they can go out and they can buy some overpriced beer if they want. <laughs> okay. my, I'll tell you something my daughter did they had their wedding at a facility that had a um, a bar separate from where the reception was and people uh-huh. who wanted to go buy mixed drinks went and bought their own and they only okay, had so they wine had and beer bar, yeah okay but have a budget the two of you sit down don't just focus on the liquor think of the whole thing and have a budget that you're comfortable spending. And instead of going over that budget, have places that you cut to stay in that budget. Because okay. some things will be more important to one or the other of you or both of you than other things. And just make choices. And in your life together, you're going to have to make choices about priorities and money. And why not start right with your own wedding at being careful with what you spend? And again, congratulations to you.
Charles is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Charles. Hello, sir. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Certainly, and thank you for your service to our great nation. I understand you're retired military. Yes, sir. Army. 26 years. Well, it is so kind of you to put your life on the line for our freedom. Thank you. It was an honor. And how can I be of service to you? Because you did so much for me and my fellow American. (laughs) So... I am in a little bit of a bind with uh, debt, and I was wondering what your thoughts are on the debt relief programs that are out there uh, compared to a consolidation loan or just plain out paying it off as I get the money. Okay, so we're really talking about three different scenarios. Consolidation loans are almost always a (laughs) ripoff. And there are a lot of people out there who will try to con you into a consolidation loan. And it'll cause you a lot of heartache. Um, Just sitting there with debts and waiting till some money just comes into your life, uh, that seems like slow torture. (laughs) So I'd like to suggest something that you may or may not have heard me talk about before, There's a national organization called the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Mm -hmm. Is that something you've ever heard me say, NFCC? Yes, I have. I've heard you say that, yeah. So I think uh, going to nfcc.org and finding an NFCC-affiliated agency near you and going to meet with them would be a great thing to do. They're going to have a lot of paperwork you have to fill out where in full mm-hmm. detail you go over your income, your spending, and your debts. And then you sit down with a trained counselor who tries to either A, come up with a budget for you, or if they feel that your circumstances are more severe than that, they will negotiate with your creditors for you and work out okay. payment plans for you. Uh, mm-hmm. gen- generally, getting the counseling is completely free. But if you need their help in negotiating for you, you pay very small fees typically for them to do it. Okay. But there are lots of people out there imitating real uh, budget counselors. I want you with the people who are the real ones, the ones that have been certified, and that is through the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Again, nfcc.org. And Charles... Best to you with working through this, and thank you again for what you've done for these great United States of America. Every once in a while, there's an oldie but baddie that pops back up to rip people off. In fact, there's one that I first wrote about in my very first book in 1993 that is ripping people off left and right right now, and it's the subject of today's Clark Rageous Moment. Rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. People are being contacted and conned a new way, most often on social media. There's so much of a desire from people of all ages to become famous or whatever. And so fake casting calls are appearing all over the country, typically through social media. People go to a casting call. They're told with great enthusiasm how fantastic they are. 
but they need to sign a contract and pay money if they're going to make it as an actor or actress or singer or whatever. This is completely bogus. Never, never, ever fall for it. If you are actually that great and you get hired, you'll be paid. You won't be paying. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. So, want to know how you feel about bottled water. Americans in larger and larger numbers are buying bottled water. And it is something that has happened is people's faith and trust in public institutions of all kinds, and government specifically, has declined. Now, Consumer Reports did an extremely involved investigation of bottled water and tap water. And what they found repeatedly and overwhelmingly is that bottled water is actually mainly from tap. That's right. Two-thirds, approximately, of all bottled water that you and I might buy comes from tap water. But here's where it gets really crazy. Municipal water supplies are tested many times a day. Most bottled water in most states is routinely not tested at all. So people buy bottled water thinking they're getting a safer source of water. And, you know, after what happened in Flint, Michigan, where people were drinking dangerous tap water, and for a lengthy period of time, and it was kept secret from the citizens of Flint for so long, the, the reality is, is that people's trust in tap water declined all over the country. So roughly 60% of Americans think that bottled water is safer than tap, but there's No proof of that at all. In fact, the proof may be the other way, that tap water is actually something you can trust more than bottled. In our household, we have filters that, you know, the filter pitchers, and my wife only drinks from the filters. As far as what Consumer Reports said, there were two filters in particular they really like both at $30 that did the best job, but neither of them specifically do anything pretty much beyond just making the water taste better. They loved one particular version of the Brita called the Stream Rapids that is 30 bucks, and the Pure Ultimate with lead reduction, 30 bucks, is to whether... It reduced lead. I don't see where Consumer Reports said specifically that they thought it did reduce lead. Yeah, so it did actually reduce the lead. So 
that did make a difference with that if you're worried about that. But the funny thing is, I go right to the tap in our house and I drink straight tap water. And my wife thinks I'm crazy. But in both cases, we're drinking water from the tap. She's filtering it, which is essentially what two out of three times you buy bottled water, that's what you're doing too. So I want you to think this through. If you are somebody who's really heavily converted to drinking bottled water, and if you care at all about your wallet, you don't want to drink bottled water because a bottled water user typically spends over $1,000 a year on bottled water. That same water from the tap costs, depending on where you live, less than a dollar to a couple of dollars. If you're drinking from the tap or drinking filtered water from the tap, you might run your cost up to maybe 30 or 40 bucks in a year. So think about how much money you could be throwing away thinking you're making yourself safer, but not actually making yourself any safer, but just spending your money. Ashwini is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Did I pronounce your name right? Yes, you're correct. It's Ashwini. Well, it's great to have you here. How can I be of service to you? Thank you for taking my call. It's an honor to speak to you. Well, great to have you here. Yeah, I had a question about life insurance. I have heard you say about uh, term life insurance. And uh, we had started that last year, me and my husband, but it just got procrastinated and delayed. But uh, we are up, uh, want to um, purchase a term life insurance, say maybe for 20 years. We are in our early 40s and we have no medical issues as such, but uh, we are overweight. A little. Uh, when I looked at some of the sites, I saw a question about um, are you overweight uh, on the forms. So I didn't know how much of a concern uh, that overweight is when it comes to the rates of the uh, policy. So and it's completely wanted- different for every insurer how much they might increase premiums or in some cases might not want to insure you because of weight and it also depends how much above standard that your weight might be how much effect it would have on premium or whether they would insure you or not so i would not uh, say well i can't buy insurance right now because that question they're probably not going to want me it usually would be a matter that maybe they charge you more But having term life insurance is so valuable to protect yourself that I think it's worth going through the process and seeing what kind of quotes you do get. Okay. And I also read a little bit, uh, and it said that we can um, apply for re-rating after a couple of days, say, you know, six months from now, we have a lower weight and uh, have a stable weight that time. Can we call them up and ask um, to relate based on the new information? That would depend on the insurer if they would allow a a rate recalculation and a discount based on the fact that you've uh, gotten to a weight that they would be more comfortable with at a period of time. Usually what someone would do is they would just go look for potentially a whole new policy. If you're being surcharged 
let's say it's a significant surcharge and you lose a decent amount of weight, you can go see what kind of quotes you could get and replace that policy. Uh, typically, you'd want to do so around the anniversary of an existing policy. Because with term life insurance, you know, it's sold, as you know, for, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. There's no harm if later on you get a lower quote and you just switch to a new one because there's no savings account with it or anything like that. So I can cancel the old policy? Oh, yeah. And Oh, okay. Yeah, so with a, it's almost like auto insurance when you have a, a level term life insurance policy in that you're paying a premium for them covering you for something you hope doesn't happen for a long, long time, and that's that you have passed away. With auto insurance, you're insuring yourself hoping that you don't get in an accident ever. So with term, just as you can switch auto insurers when you wish, with term life insurance, you can switch also. Sounds good. All right, and best to you, and know that that insurers operate very differently. And so don't feel like if one insurer isn't excited by having you as a customer, that another won't be. Because every company sets its own criteria. It's almost like the thing with, auto insurance where some insurers treat your credit score in states where this is permitted as the number one factor in setting your auto insurance premiums where another insurer may consider it very lightly if at all same thing with various questions you're asked medically every insurer has different criteria that they're judging you by robert is with us on the clark howard show hello robert Hello, sir. How are you? Great. Thank you, Robert. How can I be of service to you today? Well, I'm contemplating moving some money out of a 401k into a physical gold IRA and just wondering whether that's a good idea or not, given our stage in life. So what is making you think about going into gold? Because gold has had quite a run-up lately. Well, I'm 62 and semi-retired. My wife is 57 and still working. We have about 65K in just cash laying around, 42K in a self-directed brokerage, about 960K in a 401, and in multiple 401s. And that's kind of spread between aggressive, targeted, meaning, you know, our retirement date, uh, a little conservatism, if you will, preservation of capital. But I anticipate that we may have a recession. Don't know, but may. Don't see gold going down. So I thought I might roll 50K out of one of the 401Ks into an IRA and just wanted your thoughts on that and whether it should go traditional or Roth. So gold is very volatile. Gold is generally much more volatile than you're looking at with uh, traditional investments. So gold is a is really a hedge against bad times, and that's why gold has been going up because there's a lot of things in the world that have caused people to worry. And you know, gold not that long ago was worth about thousand um, dollars an ounce. And right now, it's worth somewhere around 1500 or so an ounce. I'm, I'm going by memory, 
but you know it's had a 50% run up and not an especially long period of time because of worries about the economic situation in the world and political and military all three have created some worry so gold people use to hedge it's gold doesn't make anything really other than some amount of it's used for jewelry it doesn't have a traditional return on investment so if i were thinking of your whole portfolio which was uh, about 1.1 million from the numbers you yeah 1.1 1.2 1. 1. okay so if you were to take let's say 5% of that and put it into gold or precious metals that's just fine to do okay as, as a hedge but much beyond that gold is not an investment understood the advantage of having gold in um in a retirement account is that the tax treatment potentially is better for gold in an investment in a retirement account than it is just as a traditional holding right because the way it's taxed but i would recommend that you look at a gold fund instead of owning actual gold okay i have some of that in my uh, self-directed brokerage account okay so uh, what percent of money do you already have in something like that? Uh, of that 42K, probably 7, 7K. Okay, so there's room for you to do more in gold if you wish. Okay. Now, the, you can only take money from your 401K if you're no longer working at that place. Understood. Okay. And so if you wanted to put it into an IRA and buy a gold ETF, you know, exchange-traded fund, right? that's just fine. Okay. But, but I would not bet the farm on it. I want to go back to something you said, though. You said that your money is is partially in target retirement funds, partially in aggressive. It was kind of what you said, I think. That's correct. The whole idea of a target retirement fund is that that's where you put your retirement money. Right. A lot of people divide out the money in a 401k into part of it's in target retirement fund and part of it's in other choices. But the idea of a target retirement fund is it's based on when you expect you're going to start using the money and they are already splitting it out and what they feel is the right risk level for your age and your situation. So normally, if you do take some of that money out and put it into an IRA and put it into gold, the money you leave behind in the 401k usually should be all in into the target retirement fund. All right. I appreciate the advice, sir. Roth or traditional? Uh, so if you move it out of the 401k, and it's been in a pre-tax 401k, normally you would put it into a pre-tax or traditional IRA. Okay. Because otherwise you generate tax for yourself if you put it into an IRA. Not penalties, but you'd have tax. Understood. So that's why normally that would be where it would go. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. That's where you post a question for me. And we answer them several different ways. It can be answered by our Clark's Consumer Action Team. It can be answered by me directly if you check a box. Or Joel could ask your question for you. And who you have, Joel? Clark got one from Josh. He says, I've got about six open credit card accounts that I ran up to 73% utilization. Now I'm in a position to start paying them off. So do you think it would increase my credit score faster if I paid the same amount on all credit cards or just paid down the highest APR one first? I have 11 accounts open, so I don't want to apply for any more cards. So what you should do is typically ladder where you pay the most you can each month towards the one with the highest rate, interest rate, and the others just pay minimums. There's no particular advantage because of paying equal amounts to any of them because it's your overall ratio that affects your credit score so much. 73%, this is how you're going to have the greatest impact on your credit score and your life as you reduce the percent of your available credit you're using, your credit score is going to go up, up, and up because low utilization of available credit is a factor that accounts for 30% roughly of your credit score. All right, and Paul says, I'm new to investing, Clark. Should I be going with something like Fidelity Zero Funds that you've talked about or Schwab's Intelligent Portfolio? I, I don't know where to go. So if you're just starting to build up money and you don't really know how to allocate, there's nothing wrong with going with Fidelity Zero funds. You've got no commissions and no ongoing expenses, and you bought basically the market. You The Fidelity Zero total stock market, you're buying most of the publicly traded companies in the United States, and that would be a great one-stop shop for you. The advantage of Schwab Intelligent Portfolios is you're splitting your money out more based on a questionnaire you fill out. But if the money's in there for the long haul and you're young, I would say the Fidelity Zero funds sound like a great choice. Nothing wrong with the intelligent portfolios either. They're both good choices. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.